You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Friday, March 31st, 2023, the last day of March, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello there. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Friday, a wonderful week so far. Yes, there is no UFC card this weekend, but there are plenty of combat sports, action Bellator going down later on tonight. Pretty solid card. And then tomorrow is where all the magic is, apparently. We got Gamebred Boxing 4. We have PFL 1 to kick off the 2023 season. We have night one of WrestleMania 39. We have Fight Circus, which is just... I mean, just go watch BTL or watch the combat preview show. Jen Mishu will sell you... Everything you need to know about the Fight Circus card. So it, it is, you will not be without combat, even though the UFC isn't going down this weekend, but that's okay. It's okay to have a little bit of a breather because then we can get even more excited for UFC 287, which goes down in eight days. That card is really, really good. The main card is outstanding. It is a tremendous main card. Of course, we got the big rematch for the middleweight title between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. We got the massive welterweight fight between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Mazadal. Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez. We have Raul Rosas Jr., the 18-year-old, taking on Christian Rodriguez. And we have Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. That is a damn good main card. 
And the rest of the card's pretty solid, too. We get Chris Barnett. We get Chris Barnett in eight days, which I'm very excited about. We got middleweighty middleweights, Gerald Mearshard and Joe Pfeiffer, Chris Curtis, Kelvin Gastelum, Steve Garcia, Shyla Nerd and Becca, the return of Michelle Watterson Gomez against Luana Pinheiro, Cynthia Calvillo back to 115 to face Lupe Godinez, Sam Hughes versus the debuting Jacqueline Amarim, Trey Ogden, Ignacio Bahamantes. UFC 287 is a is pretty solid card. 13 fights. It's a pretty good number. It's going down to Miami. First card in Miami in almost two decades. So a lot to be excited about if you're an MMA fan. But today, it is Friday. Do you know what that means on heck of a morning? It's a free-for-all Friday. So we could talk about MMA. We could talk about what's going on this weekend. We could talk about UFC 287. We could talk about the big news in MMA. We could talk WrestleMania. We could talk whatever the hell you want. So let's go. And Zach Leff will kick us off on this free-for-all Friday. Zach, Hello. Hey, Mike. Happy Friday. So, like you said, no UFC, but still got plenty of MMA content. So, two questions for you. First, with the Bellator happening today, 15 fights, a lot of fights, but usually what that means, a lot of prospects that they believe in that they're going to put on the undercard. So, who are a few on this card that we should look for, you know, that might do well? And then, you know, for future years, we can look at as possible contenders for Bellator. And then for the PFL, the one thing I noticed with it is not for this week's card, but Kayla Harrison not being in the season for the uh, lightweight division for the women's. And what is their plan with her then? Could she fight any of those people like Larissa Pacheco? If she's in the season still um, was curious there. didn't know. I know that that pay-per-view model coming up. So maybe they try to do something with her there, but we'll be curious then who should he, who she would fight. Um, but have a good Friday, Mike. And I uh, hope everyone's doing well today. Thanks, man. As far as Kayla goes, I have no idea. I have no clue. Maybe they're hoping to. Maybe PFL's hoping to get Chris Cyborg. I think that's kind of what they're hoping for because Chris has not re signed with Bellator. She's still the champion. They have not moved on with this division at all, uh, which is one of my issues with this card. Uh, Marcelo Golden, Daniel James, I'm sure it'll be a fight, and I'm sure it's not going to go to the cards. I'm sure it'll be over pretty quickly, but. To me, this is a perfect opportunity with a card like this and not having a lot of stellar options for headliners to just do Katzengano, Leah McCourt for the interim featherweight title. And then we can just go from there. And if Chris comes back, Chris gets the winner. We can unify the belts. And if Chris leaves, then Katzengano or Leah McCourt is the new featherweight champion. And we can move on. We can move forward. But all this like waiting and all this, it's just crazy to me. It's just crazy to me. So maybe PFL is just hoping they can get Chris Cyborg. I just don't know what else they're going to do uh, unless PFL like, gets somehow signs Francis Ngannou and they do a pay-per-view with, with Ngannou headlining and just get Kayla in there on the card against somebody. Like I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. I didn't think Kayla would be a part of the season. She kind of prefaced that because of the way her contract is structured. She only had a couple of fights left heading into that finale fight with Larissa Pacheco, but Larissa's part of the season. So I don't think they're going to fight, which seems like a missed opportunity to me. So 
I don't know. That's a great question. I have no idea what's going to happen. As far as this Bellator card with future prospects, Archie Colgan's a good one. He's fighting fellow undefeated fighter Justin Montalvo. I think Sullivan Colley's a really good, a really good up and comer. Five and zero teammate with Ryan Bader. He's real good. He's going to be a problem at two hundred five. Uh, fighting the nicest guy, maybe in MMA history, and Luke Trainer. Um, Joey Davis, I'm very high on. We haven't seen him fight in a long ass time. I think this is his first fight since November 2020. Lucas Brennan is is really good. After this fight, he's probably going to need a little bit of a step up in competition. I like Lance Gibson Jr. a lot. Uh, Randy Field sounds like somebody that Bellator will kind of put the promotional push behind. Bryce Meredith is someone they're going to push. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting prospects on this card. Let me look at the betting lines. The betting lines will tell you everything you kind of need to know. Uh, Lucas Brennan is a minus eleven hundred, so eventually he's just going to have to get a step up. Joey Davis is a minus sixteen hundred. Bryce Meredith's a minus eleven hundred. I mean, there's some potential squash matches on this card, but. This is, a, I mean, this is a good card. The main event is pretty bad. It's going to end quick, and it's not going to go to the cards. It'll probably be an ugly fight at times, but the rest of the card is pretty solid. I love the Aaron Jeffrey John Salter fight. I think that's good matchmaking. Uh, I think Aaron Jeffries. I told him this when I talked to him last week. You'll see that conversation I may fighting later on today, but uh, I think Aaron Jeffrey is the Chris Curtis of Bellator. Chris was. Just a guy who just couldn't get over the hump to get into a big promotion. But once he got there, he was going to be off and running. And it seems like Aaron is off and running now that he has a stage to continuously compete on. He doesn't have to fight for nickels and dimes on the regional scene. He's got a place to go. And he's a win. He could be a win away from a title shot if he beats John. If he beats John Salter, he, he might get a title fight. I know we got um, Fabian Edwards and Gaygard coming up, but. If Aaron Jeffrey just runs over John Salter, he's in the mix. And a fight between him and Johnny Eblen would be pretty fun, honestly. So, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of good prospects on this card. There's a lot of good prospects on this card. I'm a man of my word, so, Ani, you are up. Hello, sir. At some time, I'll think of a couple of questions, but... You know, you are. It's all right. So let me think. First things first, very quickly, I wanted to ask you the next fight, as in um, Bobby Green versus uh, is it Jared Gordon, is that Bobby Green's retirement fight? And like that, that caught me off guard. Is, is that actually Bobby Green's retirement fight? I mean, I'm not done. I still have a couple of questions. I'm just waiting for you to respond to this first, if that's okay. I mean, it's tough to say. That's what he's saying. So for now, I'll take him at his word. But who the hell knows? Honestly, that's what he's been saying for the last couple months since this fight was booked. So according to him, this will be his last fight. And that's that caught me off guard, to be honest. Anyway, so, I mean, we've seen that. Um, and there's. I'll ask you a question about MMA and then one non-MMA. Um, it seems that Wonderboy seems to have a fight. By process of elimination, I think it it could be Michelle Pereira. Or has it already been announced that it is Michelle Pereira? And that's 
one question and um, another question that i have which is sort of non mma but within the realm of the mma uh, world is you know like you've interviewed loads of mixed martial artists and sometimes you know when you have these off the record conversations where you know you're just talking to them like having a normal conversation like did anyone give you any um life advice of sorts as in like did they say that you know that they appreciate your work and did they give you anything in any sort of good advice or a few quotes that just stuck with you because when i went to uh, for the love of mma in in manchester i met gsp right and i had this really nice conversation with him and we were talking about um nervousness in general like I, dude i still can't believe that i'm speak i had a 15 minute conversation with gsp like the consensus greatest of all time uh, of course john john is there of course but i don't want to get into this whole goat debate man so when i'm speaking to gsp he is the goat right so i i i'm talking to him about my research about my phd work and um, i tell him i i ask him about you know how does he deal with nervousness or even when he is going on you know on the big stage for me the big stage would be you know for my review or for my viva or for my uh, presentations or wherever i show up so he said that before each and every single one of his fights he was nervous like he was scared to death the only one fight where he was not nervous and he felt like a world beater he got knocked the fuck out so being nervous is actually a good thing it means that you're doing something meaningful and this is something i think will stick to me for the rest of my life so similarly did you have any open heart conversations with uh mixed martial artists of the record where they gave you advice or any such discussions of sort interesting question um there's a couple that come to mind Uh as far as the Wonderboy thing goes, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It seems like Michelle Pajero would be a a really fun option. It's one that both guys want. Uh neither guy had an opponent. I know uh Pajero was supposed to fight Sean Brady and that fell through and there's Let me just look something up. Look, there he is. Um Where are we looking at here? Is Michelle Pajero So from from what like the last conversations that we sort of had with Pereira um they were targeting getting him on the April 15th card and before Wonderboy tweeted that was kind of the hope that they were going to fight April 15th but obviously if they throw this at him that I mean that could be a fun one I would love that fight I honestly don't know who else really makes a lot of sense unless they given Jack Della Maddalena which who the hell is going to complain about that they could do RDA that would be a an interesting one i wouldn't mind that one Sean Brady probably out of the equation uh i actually talked to Sean Brady a couple days ago uh he's hoping the summer he can come he can come back July or August something he was thinking about so uh i don't the answer to the question about what if it's thompson prayer i don't know 
it's still kind of up in the air right now. And then your other question about, you know, if I had any, you know, sort of off the record life advice conversations. Uh, there's two that I could think of off the top of my head. That I think there's probably more. One is, and I talked about this before uh, when someone asked about, I think Anthony asked about it the last free for all Friday about getting into the space. And I was telling the story about how I got to where I'm at. And there was a certain point in my professional life where I was going to stop covering MMA altogether because I was getting promoted in my radio gig and I was getting all these other responsibilities and I was starting to get burnt out. And I'm like, well, I got to choose here. Like I can't, I can't keep doing both. And James Lynch gave me some good advice to just keep sticking with it. And then I got a phone call from Mickey Gall who told me essentially the same thing. Like, don't stop, keep going. Like, even if you have to do one interview a week or whatever, do it. Uh, and that meant a lot to me. The other one I thought, which was kind of interesting, the first time I interviewed Treshawn Gore, we were having a conversation. I forget, I think it was before the, the Brian Battle fight. Yeah, it was before the Brian Battle fight. And we, had a, we talked for like 10 minutes before we recorded. And then we talked for probably like another half an hour after. And it was at a point where, I mean, I was just running at a million miles an hour doing a lot of different things. And I hadn't really taken a break in a while. Like I hadn't taken a lot of days off. Even when I was off like the schedule, I was still doing stuff. And Treshawn kind of like noticed at the end that, you know, as you look, you look a little burnt out. He goes, if I'm just being honest, like I've never spoken with you before. Like I've never seen you before. Never like talked to you before, but you just seem like you seem kind of burnt out. <laughs> and that like really stuck to me. And I was like, wow, you like, maybe you're right. So we talked and he gave me some like different advice about burnout and like how to, how to deal with it. And I didn't feel burnt out. Uh, there were times where I was getting like a little grumpy. So maybe he just like saw something in my eyes, but I thought that was like a, a pretty interesting thing that he noticed that and, and after that conversation, like I immediately put in to like take a few days off and turned out he was probably right at that point in time. So that was a good piece of advice that he gave me. Just like, dude, just don't burn yourself out. Like do other things, separate yourself from the sport, do stuff, go play golf, go do this, go do that. Cause my routine was pretty much the same every day. Even when I wasn't working, it was just go get a workout in and just, focus on covering MMA for, and I think at the time I was putting one of those like massive features together, which just takes over your life at times. Uh, so I thought that was like pretty crazy that he noticed that. And I'm sure there's others, but those are two that that's are at the top of my head. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Tristan, hello. Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, uh-uh. I don't know what happened last time. I just couldn't hear you before. I don't know if it was on your end or my end, but I don't know. Um, the question I have is, so we see some the fights that were announced and booked, and there's four fights that I got to say are bangers, and I'm just so happy that they're they're going to hopefully happen, God, you know, God willing. Um, so you have uh, Brandon Boy Val versus uh, Mateus Nicolau. Um, just announced Josh Emmett versus Ilya Taporia. Then you have um, Edson Barbosa versus Billy Q. And then I believe it's announced and confirmed um, Nate Landwehr versus um, oh, uh, Danny Gay. Out of those four fights, what do you think is going to be the funnest, funnest out of the four? Imagine that that was all on the same car. Like, that was just like all right, it's going to be the fight night. This is going to be all on the main card. Like, how lucky are we? And, and you know, it goes back to just appreciating these fighters because it's just like, you know they're going to be bangers. They're going to be fun because a lot of them, they can't help themselves. So what do you think is going to be the funnest out of those four fights? Thanks, Mike. Jeez. That's like trying to pick your favorite kid. They're all good. I think – I think Roy Val Nicolau is going to be a little more technical than people think. I know Roy Val is sort of the king of chaos at 125, but it's something he's been working on, trying to slow down a little bit. The last time I talked to Brandon Roy Val, he was telling me stories about how Mark Montoya at Factory X would have him, they, he would set up lines around the gym and he would have Roy Val just walk and just follow the line all the way around the gym. And he had to try to keep like a similar pace and try to slow things down a little bit. And at certain points, Mark would notice that Brandon would start to rush it a little bit. He's like, what are you doing? Look at how fast you're going. You need to slow down. You need to stay calm. You need to stay patient. And I think that's something that Brandon's really trying to work on. Uh, because while that is that style has led to a lot of his success, it's also led to a couple of his losses as well. Just getting a little too crazy in there. And, and when you're at this level and you're fighting guys like Mateus Nicolau, you can't make a mistake because he will capitalize on it. So I do think that fight's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a little more technical than chaotic. Uh, Taporia Emmett, 
it's a five rounder. I think it'll be fun, but I think it'll start off a little slow. It's between it's between the other two featherweight fights. Billy Q and Edson Barboza is going to be ridiculous, and Nate Landwehr DNA game is going to be a ton of fun. I report I got I reported that last night. Um, what's funny is like that that. Like, we report the fight, and then we put it on MMA Fighting, and people are like, Mike, is this confirmed? Yeah. Why would I put it out on the website if it wasn't confirmed by multiple people on both sides of the table? I wouldn't – we wouldn't write it up and put it on the website if it wasn't confirmed. Uh, it is not signed, sealed, and delivered yet, but it is agreed to. And one side of the table told me it is a done deal, and the other side said, yeah, we agree to it. It's, it's going to happen. So – Contracts await, but I was also told, because that's happening at UFC 289, and there's been a lot of focus and a lot of talk about whether or not it's going to happen in Canada. Uh, I'm told that, and I know there are other reports out there that maybe that could be up in the air a little bit. Uh, I'm told there's a little bit of smoke to that, but I don't really know. I don't really know for sure. So... That's a friggin' great fight. I don't know what's going to headline that card. There is no main event for the June pay-per-view yet, but Danny Gay, Nate Landwehr would be a damn good main card opener or a damn good featured prelim on ESPN. I love that fight. I will go with that fight is the correct answer. I think Barboza, Billy Q is going to be fun, but I think it could be... One of those t- like typical Billy Q fights where Edson just does his thing. He's very methodical. He lands a lot of leg kicks. Billy Q probably loses the first round, and then he just kicks into that second gear and, and turns it around. But I think Ige Landwehr is going to be kind of nuts from start to finish. So I'll go with that. But again, it's like choosing your favorite child. I think all of those fights are going to be bangers, and they're all going to be fun in their own different and unique ways. Four quarter sports. Hello. Hey Mike. So you said that there's no um no headliner for the the June pay per view, right? Nothing uh, nothing yet. All right. So I I don't see why the USC can't push for maybe like Amanda Nunes. I mean, I know that's may not be like a, a sexy pick, but like she hasn't like fought since the the Dallas card, which was in late July. I mean, there's been no rumblings whatsoever. As for her um, fighting anytime soon, I mean, I know there's speculation maybe about her and Areni Aldana, but how come she hasn't been like talked about as somebody that that should like push to be fighting? You know, because the main reason that you guys always talk about the bantamweight division, the women's bantamweight division, not getting you know any traction, I would say it starts from the top. She she's not fighting actively enough, and at one point she wasn't defending the belt for like two years in that division. But I just feel like you know if it starts from the top, then you could get more traction, and you can, and you don't have to dev- uh, you don't have to really um, go months without having a ban a women's bantamweight fight. Um, that's one thing. Um, another thing, I I saw the piece he put out there for uh, Ige versus uh, Landwehr. Love the fight. I feel like if Landward does get the victory over Ige, I think they're going to strap the Rockets and, you know, what's it called? Um, Landward's going to um, hit more more new heights than ever possible. If he does get the victory, I would love to see him fight Max Holloway. I know that might be a stretch, but I think that could be a very fun fight. I think Landward is in fun fight territory. 
And lastly, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite WrestleMania moment? Um, I've been to WrestleMania 20. I felt like that was phenomenal with the ending of uh, Guerrero and Benoit um, celebrating. But, Mike, uh, I don't know if you've been to WrestleMania or not, but what's your favorite um, WrestleMania moment on TV? And if you've been to it in person, what was your um, favorite WrestleMania moment live? All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. So the Nunez thing, I mean, I don't know why people are surprised. Um, She said after the Pena fight, she was going to take some time off. She was going to be out for a while. So... And to, to be fair, no one has really emerged. I mean, Arini Aldana certainly, and I know there was discussions about doing Nunez Aldana on at UFC 285. But like I told you, many like I told you guys, uh, even with the Shevchenko booking with Grasso, uh, that wasn't done for a while. I know a lot of sites are reporting it, but it wasn't done. Eventually, got done. Like the day that Dana did his, oh, we got a whole bunch of announcements coming your way and started screaming fights that were going down. Like, that's the day we confirmed it because we put that out right before Dana made the announcement. So I don't know what's going on with Nunez. I don't know. It also probably kind of depends on, like, where this card's going to take place. Like, Amanda Nunez headlining a card in Calgary doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? So maybe that's up in the air. And I don't know. I just don't know if she's like, I don't know if the Bantamweight division is like, is a main event sort of division right now. I don't know. So that, I mean, you could do that there. You could do that. I know there's talks about maybe Mexico city and stuff, but Dana kind of was like, well, I don't really know if we're going to be able to pull that off this year with everything going on. Maybe do, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. They're going to have to scramble a little bit. Could do Colby and Leon. But Calgary would be a weird place for that fight. I don't know. I don't know. It won't be John Jones, Stipe. We got the middleweight title on the line already next weekend. Could Jamal Hill, maybe, but still, Calgary seems like a weird place for that. Um, Islam's not going to fight till October when they go to Abu Dhabi. Volk, they're talking him and Yair for International Fight Week. Not done yet, but that's the direction they're heading with that fight. Sterling and Cejudo are fighting in May. Do you do Moreno versus... Pantoja? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to headline that one. Um, WrestleMania moments. Uh, I went to WrestleMania 14, which a lot of people feel is, is one of the best. I would agree. That was the night that Stone Cold Steve Austin won the WWF title. Shawn Michaels' final match for a long time. Uh, that was a fun-ass WrestleMania, man. That was a good time. I think Austin winning the belt was, was, was pretty cool. Uh, I was a big fan of The Rock. Everybody hated him, but I loved him. He's a big Rock guy. LOD came back. 
Kane tombstoning Pete Rose was a lot of fun. After Pete Rose just like ran down the Boston crowd, it was just a damn. It was just a damn good WrestleMania. They had a freaking dumpster match with the Outlaws and Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. Uh, it was a good WrestleMania. It was damn good. Uh, I love the the first scene of Rock Mania too. That was a good one. Uh, I loved uh, the Michaels Undertaker matches before Michaels had to retire. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but WrestleMania 14, I was there, and that was a fun time. It's and that WrestleMania still holds up, still holds up today, for sure. But WrestleMania 20 would be a damn good one to go to, outside of the Brock Lesnar, Bill Goldberg match. What's up, Absolutely? Sorry, um, so I just got two, three things to say and ask. My first question is, how would a fight between Taitui Bas and Spivak sound and um, regarding Hamza Chimaev, like, you know, if Adesanya were to win and Hamza presumably gets a top three win, would they set that fight up in the middleweight division? And if Colby wins the Waltway title in July, do they make the Hamza fight with him? Let me know. Uh, if Colby wins, no. Um, if Adesanya wins, no. No. I mean, they could do that, but I don't think they will. I think if Adesanya wins, they're just gonna they're just gonna run back Pereira a third time. I think, and I know some people would roll their eyes at that, but that's just kind of where the division is right now. That's a big money fight. Like if Adesanya wins the second one with that rivalry and all the storylines attached to it, they're going to run that a third time. I, I'm pretty confident in that. So, yeah, I would say Hamzat. I would say if Hamzat's going to get a title shot, Pereira probably needs to win that fight because there's already a, there's already some beef there. There's those two going back and forth at each other. There's challenges. They both wanted to fight each other in January at 205. On that Brazil card, there's something there. So, I know Robert Whitaker would be kind of pissed about that, but I don't know. Spivak to Ivasa. I don't want to see Spivak and Tuivasa. Come on. Don't do that to us. I don't want to see Tuivasa get tackled and grappled to death. No, 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 no. There's other, there's other things we can do with Tai Tuivasa. I don't know what those things are, but maybe they do uh, Tuivasa and Tommy Aspinall. Don't love that fight either for for Tuivasa, but at least Tommy will stand there and chuck him for a little bit. Spivak ain't gonna chuck him with Tommy with uh with Tuivasa. He's got to shoot doubles and try to take him down. I don't know. I I don't want to see Spivak Tuivasa right now. I just I don't want to see it. I didn't want to see Spivak fight Derek Lewis. And that's the damn fight we got. And it would look exact. I think that fight would look. If he fought Tuivasa, I think the fight would look exactly the same. Uh, let's go to Anthony and Mikey's on deck. Anthony, hello. Yo, heck of a morning. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, something that Joe Rogan and Jorge Masvidal were talking about in their uh, little interview. Uh, they were talking about Muay Thai. And how like that? How Dana White should have made a Muay Thai league instead of a slap league? And how how? And they're all confused about why like nobody's tried to make like a Muay Thai league. And 
the most guy of Muay Thai, like the highest paid guy in that makes like not even 700K, you know? So I'm sure Dana White could scrap up a league together. And I was thinking about it even more because just recently my brother, who's like one of the biggest casuals I know, and I watch more MMA than anybody I know, I talked to him about shit and he really doesn't give a fuck. But then he went to go uh, watch one of our friends fight and there was Muay Thai bouts and he was like obsessed and he was like going crazy. He was, he, he was saying that there should be just leagues of that. And then they were talking about that on Rogue. And so it got, kind of had me thinking about all that. And uh, <clears throat> besides that, uh, let me know what um, match you're most excited for this weekend. And if it's WWE, give me some uh, MMA to chew on. Thank you. Have a good weekend. I mean, they have they, they do have Muay Thai leagues, uh, not a ton. Um, it's mostly kickboxing with some like Muay Thai rules. Like I, I know all of these kickboxing leagues, like some allow the Muay Thai strikes and elbows and in 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 the clinch and all that, and some don't. Um, but there are leagues, and Lord knows they've tried to get them off the ground. It just hasn't worked. So I don't know. Maybe you get someone like Dana to to do something like that. That would be something, I guess, but. Seems like Dan is all in on the power slap and seems like he's going to try some sort of boxing thing. At least that's what he said in recent interviews. So I don't know. You need the right guy and the right pull and the right network and all that. I know one, like one puts on Muay Thai fights and people seem to like them, but they just do a, such a bad job of like telling people about them. So it kind of needs to be the perfect storm. I, it, Rogan's been talking about this for a long time, and, and I agree with him. But it's just, I don't know. It's just getting the right person involved, getting the right sort of push involved, the right networks, all of that. And no one's been able to do it. No one's been able to do it. So, yeah, it's tough. Best fight of the weekend, MMA. Um... Probably the Rob Wilkinson Tiago Santos fight. I think that's the one. That one's interesting. If we get fun Tiago Santos, that fight is going to rule. But it's just a matter of are we going to get fun Tiago or are we going to get D1 Tiago? And I think Rob Wilkinson's kind of a guy that can give us fun Tiago back. We haven't seen fun Tiago in a while since before the John Jones fight. But I like that one. Mikey. Mikey. Try again, Mikey. Couldn't hear you at all. Uh, we got you through, so that's a good thing. Uh, let's go to Chiji Oak. Uh, you're muted right now. Hey, there you go. Hey, what's going on, Mike? How's it going, man? Doing all right. Uh, let's fast forward to next weekend with the uh, Izzy Pereira fight. So the only thing I'm really concerned of is that Friday, what's the percentage that uh, Alex comes in heavy or or what's the percentage that he comes in late and has to weigh in twice or or any complications with that? 
because last time he came, he wasn't, he was towards the end, Wayne, and then the beginning. So you think, you think that's one thing they're concerned of in the, in the camp or anything like that? Mm, I mean, I get the concern. I mean, he's a, he's a fucking monster. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's huge. Stand next to these like light heavyweights and he just towers over all of them. But it seems like he, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to cut the weight, you know, and to me, like you have a two hour window and if I'm a fighter, like I understand, you know, some people just want to get it over with and get it done. And there are other people. It's like, well, if you're going to give me two hours, like I'll just use the two hours. I know for the for the viewer who are watching these weigh-ins, you're just like, oh god, we're waiting for Alex Pereira for 90 minutes. Like, what the hell? Everybody else is weighed in, and it's kind of annoying. But to me, it's just like you got this time, use it. And he usually gets there. So until he misses, I will be concerned about it. But it seems like he's already cutting down and him and his team have it figured out. So until I see otherwise, I'm not really concerned. But I am interested in that fight, man. I can't wait to see it. And most of the intrigue is on the Adesanya side for me. I saw everything I needed to see from Alex Pereira. Uh, I think there's improvements he could make, certainly. I don't think he's going to have enough time to make those improvements. I don't think Izzy's going to be shooting a bunch of takedowns. I don't think he should. I think I just want to see what Izzy shows up. Is he going to be the Izzy we saw in the first round who just went after Pereira and tried to get him out of there? And if he had like 10 or 15 more seconds, he would have gotten him out of there. If we see that guy, I think Izzy's got a real good chance to win. But if we see the guy we saw at UFC 281 who showed signs of that, but lets Pereira hang around too long, then he's going to lose again. So I'm, I'm very intrigued about the changes Adesanya is going to make. And I know there's an argument to be made, well, he was winning all of those other fights before he didn't. That's sure. But again, when you have somebody as powerful and as dangerous as Alex Pereira, all he needs is to do is hit you once. That's it. You cannot let this man hang around. So if Adesanya can get aggressive and go after Pereira, I think he's got a real good chance to win. But if he has a, you know, a kickboxing match with Pereira where he's staying at distance and trying to move in and out, I don't think that's the way to go. I think he's going to get knocked out again. So very interested in that fight. I'm very confident that Adesanya is the better mixed martial artist. But again, there are certain fighters where that does not matter. You let a guy like that hang around for too long and he can get your ass at any point. So can't wait to see that fight. Very intrigued. Mikey, do we have you? Hey, <laughs> All right, I got you. Sorry, because I was like, I, I was on Instagram checking my shit while I was waiting for you. And then I think what happened was when I tried to link back into you, it didn't, you know, it didn't recognize me or whatever. So it kicked me out. But anyways, point being, I just wanted to address the, the Amanda Nunez comment from Four Corners earlier. Like, I'm sorry, respectfully, like, what the hell does, what does that mean? She, Amanda Nunez has never missed a year of fighting in her entire career. Okay. Second, when she won the, when she first won the bandway title, she, that was the only belt she defended for years. And then 
she takes off two years in 2020 and 2021 to defend the featherweight title. Now suddenly everybody's like, she's not defending her title. Also, that was, I don't know, the pandemic. So of course she wasn't active. I mean, who was? You know what I mean? So I thought that that's an unfair thing to say about her because that woman has never, listen, she may have missed, pulled out some cards, you know, uh, famously, of course, we remember in 2017, at International Fight Week, she was supposed to fight Valentina and then Sinaitis, and she had to pull out. But she's never missed an actual year of fighting. When she needed to fight, she fought. So I'm, I'm sorry, man. All this unnecessary, like, Chris, there's things to criticize about her, but that's not one of them. She's defended her belts. She's done what she's been asked to do year after year. Yet some fans are just like, well, she's not doing it. I'm like, you know what? Most of your champions, listen, the newsflash guys the average once a person gets to championship level the average champion will only fight about twice a year three if we're lucky you know what i mean and just uh anyways and to um book your surprises for mania what do you want to see for mania happen and three it's funny you just mentioned the adesanya prayer thing and it, it <laughs> i actually think that if adesanya gets more aggressive that would actually play more into Pajera's plans because that's what he wants to do, in my opinion. I think he wants Adesanya to like not fight from distance and pick his shots because Adesanya's always been a precision fighter, you know, and he likes to counter people, much like Anderson did. I think if he if he deviated from that game plan and tried to aggressively brawl with Pajera, it might even play better into Pajera's hands because, you know, he wants you to come at him so he can hit you, you know. Um I think I, I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't need to switch things up, but I think he just needs to allow himself room to capitalize on his opportunities when he is able to rock Pereira like he did. I think what he did in the first fight was he did a lot of things right. I think there were just certain elements where, because of Pereira's power, he slightly hesitated to go in for the kill. You know, like he wants to make sure Pereira is like almost out before he goes in for the kill because he doesn't want to get caught, you know? So, yeah, can't wait for that. But right now, thank God there's no UFC this weekend because all this wrestling is going to tear me apart. And then, of course, we have the most random thing ever. Pettis is boxing Roy Jones Jr. tomorrow. And Pettis recently told Drake Riggs that the UFC was going to book him and Anderson Silva, which I I believe, Anthony, but that's wild. I What? Anyways. That'll be all. Be kind to one another. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, the Game Bread Boxing card, I, I, I'm covering it. Like, I'll be watching it. I'll be working Saturday to do a bunch of stuff for the site with that. I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, I understand as fans, this is a tough hang with the weekend. I mean, there's just so much shit going on this weekend that I just don't – like, this is not going to be a box office success. It's just not. Uh, I think doing it in Milwaukee was a terrible idea because it's just not a hub. Like, Milwaukee is not a combat hub. Like, I know they have gyms there, but there's just not a ton of fans there outside of friends of the fighters. There's just, I don't know. And it's just such a weird weekend to do it with Mania and we got the Final Four, all of that. Like, there's a reason why the UFC doesn't book cards the first weekend of April. There's a reason why they don't book cards on this weekend because they understand that it's too much going on. There's too much happening. But I'm excited to watch it. I understand if you're 
not thrilled to spend $50 to watch it, but I'm interested in it. I'm definitely interested in it. Mania surprises? I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know. I'm always, like, interested to see who comes back. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Cody and Roman. Like, Cody should go over. But it, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of people saying that Roman might go over. So they can get to the thousand days. I don't know. There's a lot I like about it. Some of the storylines have been great. Watching Raw sucks. Oh, it's so bad. It stinks. It's like promo after promo and then like 11 minutes of wrestling in three hours. It's insane. But Mania will see a lot of matches and I'll be excited to watch them. I'll be excited to see what happens. And yeah, I mean, with the Pereira-Adesani thing, I'm not saying like Adesani needs to go all Cody Garbrandt in there. No, that's not... That's not what to do, but you got to do more than have a distance kickboxing match with Alex Pereira because when Adesanya was the hammer and he was pushing forward, he was doing well. He was doing well. Me hurt Pereira. And then it turned into, all right, now let's just do the distance point fighting kickboxing style and try to mix in a couple of takedowns. And you just let the man hang around too long. Like, you got to try to get him out of there. You can't, cannot extend this fight with Alex Pereira. It's way too dangerous. But, yeah, I'm not saying, like, go Cody Garbrandt on him or go Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz on him. Don't get fired up and just get reckless, but you got to do more. You've you got to be more aggressive. You have to. You got to be the hammer. Cannot let be, Pereira be the hammer. You got to be the hammer. But do it in a in a meticulous way, but just – do more. You have to do more. More volume, more aggression, but don't be reckless. You can't have a point kickboxing match with this man for 25 minutes because you're going to get knocked out. It's too dangerous of a game. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Let's go to Four Ounce Sniper. Yes, I can. Hey, uh, hopefully you can hear me all right. I don't know if my connection is good. But uh, real quick, a uh, heck of a morning. And also, so... We'll do a four-man tournament for the middleweight division. We'll make a middleweightiest middleweight title. Who are your four UFC fighters that you would put in that, and who comes out the victor? Thank you. Oh, man. This is – see, these are the questions I live for. The middleweightiest middleweight tournament. Oh, I love it. I think Marvin Vittori has to be the number one seed. I think Marvin Vittori is the number one seed in the middleweightiest middleweight tournament. 
That's a great pick. So Marvin Vittori will be the number one seed. The number two seed. There's so many. There's so many options here. I will go with Marvin Vittori. I'll go with Brennan Allen just because he's the champ. And boy, does he have a middleweighty middleweight fight. Him and Jack Hermanson is is the main is is the middleweightiest middleweight main event you could ever have. So those three are in there for sure. And the fourth spot's gonna be tough. Like Eric Anders can be very middleweighty. Albert Jarayev turned Chidi and Jokawani into a middleweighty middleweight, which I didn't think was possible. God, there's so many options here. <laughs> you know what? I'll go Albert Jarayev. I, I mean, if you can turn Chidi into a middleweighty middleweight, then you get you get you get the spot. There are a lot of middleweighty fights at UFC San Antonio. Even the the Trevin Giles fight was a welterweight fight, but that was a middleweighty welterweight fight. So those are the four in the UFC that I would go with. Yep. Top of my head, that's what I'm going with. But there's so many. Jacob Malkoon is a great option. Uh, Jacob Malkoon can be the the alternate. Jacob Malkoon can be the alternate. Let's go to Brian. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. Uh, I just wanted to touch on uh, the UFC going back to Charlotte and a bunch of different places. Um, I think it's sweet. Some of the main events we're getting, like Tafori and Emmett in uh, June, is just absolute banger. That's I. We need to keep these lightweight and under main events. These are like the best fight night main events. Um, but question for you too. Uh, personally, where was one place you would like to see the UFC go back to, uh, U.S. or international? And then also, is there any way you would have any information on if they ever come back to Cleveland? Um, I did not get to go to the Stipe one, sadly. Uh, been dying for them to come back. We have a brand-new Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It's beautiful. So just curious if you heard anything about that and kind of the place you're looking at because these are some great spots and some great fights that are coming up. Thanks, Mike. Cleveland's Cleveland's interesting. Um Cleveland should have been. I mean, Steve, every every Stipe every Stipe title fight should have been in Cleveland. Every one of them. After the reaction that guy got, getting put over like a superstar, every Stipe title defense should have been in Cleveland. All of them. So, I, I don't know, man. Unless they, unless they have like just like a rando fight night with a bunch of Ohio fighters on it. I don't, I don't see Cleveland in play for a while. Honestly. Now, if Steve Bate goes and beats John Jones and he get he wants to keep fighting and they want to, cause you, if Steve Bate beats John Jones, they're running that shit back. So that could be a Cleveland card. I don't know. Cleveland just, I don't know. Maybe they'll do a fight night card. But you would go there for Stipe, and even when Stipe was like prime Stipe, they only went there once while he was champion. And they should have went there every time he fought. As far as like other locations, I mean, I, I hope 289 ends up in Canada. Canada hasn't had, had a card in a long time. 
I don't care where, somewhere in Canada. I think that's, and I think Bellator should try to get to Canada too. There's, there's a bunch of Canadian fighters on this card today. They got to get up there too. But you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Boston. Everybody wants to see them back in Boston. Uh, it appears the summer is a possibility. Obviously, the Bruins and the Celtics are going to be in the midst of long playoff runs. Uh, the Bruins are the Bruins might be the best hockey team of all time. So they're they're going to the to the Stanley Cup final. And the Celtics are super legit, so they'll probably end up in the finals too. So from what I was told, like a, a couple months back, if it was going to happen, it was going to be like late August, September-ish. Uh, it seems like August is kind of zeroed in right now, but nothing is done. But yeah, I, I, every, it, Boston seems to be like the most popular place that people are asking Dana about. Dana said the summer. Dana was just there in March or earlier this month for uh, the looking for a fight, Calvin Cater's card, the combat zone event. But I would, I would expect them in Boston this year for sure. I will probably end up in Jacksonville at some point, just because Dana is always going to have a soft spot for Jacksonville because they, they were integral in the UFC success in 2020. So I, I would, Assume they'll be back there at some point. Um, I would like to see them in California again somewhere just because I want to see the disclosed purses and all that stuff. But yeah, Boston for sure is what I want to see. Uh, and let's go to Toke. So, how are you? of uh, fight circus uh if you <laughs> um so i i, I want to settle phantom weight so i want to i want a siamese boxing match between uh, aljamain sterling and mirab and then uh, them against uh, henry cejudo and sean o'malley who would you pick in that fight and the other one is uh, i'll keep it i'll keep my story kind of short but uh not really because I just want to know which fight was the one that hooked you to MMA. Because for me, or the highlight, I should say. Because for me, it was, I was at a garden party back in, I don't even remember what year. And then the thing that got me, I, I was checking Twitter for football updates. And then suddenly, it pops up. Thomas Almeida, who was supposed to be a lot of things. He was supposed to be very, very good. Thomas Almeida knocking out Brad Pickett. On, and that was not the the fight that that was the main event of that night at all. But that knockout with uh, Brad Pickett's face bouncing off the canvas kind of just turned a switch in my head and made me think, I need to watch MMA more. So what's that moment for you? And then the Siamese boxing match. Thank you. So the moment for me really that I don't know, like I'm trying to think like which fight got me f jacked. I, I remember watching the Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture two. Uh, I was at a place in Somerville, Mass, 
which doesn't exist anymore, which makes me sad, uh, called Good Time Billiards. And this place was like, before Dave and Buster's was a thing, Good Times was like the OG of just super places where you could do everything. Like they had this place had everything. I had, I had like birthday parties there when I was like 10. And this place had it all arcades, pool tables, they had batting cages. They had like indoor basketball courts. I mean, literally anything you could possibly imagine was in this massive space. I loved good time billiards. And then even as a, as a young adult, uh, I loved it too. But I remember my older brother and I went there to shoot pool one night and the second Couture Liddell fight came on and uh, Chuck knocked out Randy pretty brutally and won the belt. And that was all, I was all fired up. I was all fired up. Uh, Diego Sanchez is the guy who got me into it just because he was such a whack job on the ultimate fighter that I just couldn't stop watching. I couldn't stop watching. And then obviously watching the finale and watching Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner beat the shit out of each other. I was, I was pretty much hooked. Now, I wasn't like hooked forever because I think with a lot of fans, like until you go all in, there's kind of spurts with it all. You realize that there's a lot of other things going on in life and you can't really keep track of everything. But now that I'm covering it and it's now a big part of my life, I don't miss anything. Uh, and it's been like that for a long time now. But yeah, the, the first pay-per-view I ever bought um, was UFC 40 because obviously I was a big WWF fan. As a big pro wrestling mark, and Ken Shamrock left WWF to go fight Tito Ortiz, and I bought it, and Tito beat the shit out of Ken Shamrock for the first of three times. But I remember watching that card and build to that, and the press conference where Ken Shamrock told Tito Ortiz he was going to beat him to within a living death, and then Tito just freaking laughed in his face. Oh, gold. Shit was just gold. And as far as the the Siamese boxing, dude, no-brainer, 100%. It's Sterling and Marab, mostly because Marab. I I would be shocked if Marab doesn't already have like 25 Siamese fights under his belt already. He's probably 25-0 and because he's a maniac. So give me Marab in any sort of weird matchup because I'm sure Marab has done it for many years and probably has dozens and dozens of – all of those fights. So yeah, give me give me Marab and anybody else all day long. CV, hello. CV, you're muted. Can you hear me? Yep, there you are. Hey man, heck of a Friday. Uh, more of a general question. Um, if I recall correctly, um, I think you covered. Um, was it last summer? Yeah, uh, two seventy six, right? um yes yeah um can you just describe like the the ufc fan expo experience because um i might plan to go there sometime in the future but um i probably know the answer it's like hello overpriced uh i was in vegas last year and it's it's crazy expensive so <laughs> yeah and um like I'm, I'm from canada too so like our dollar sucks right and everything gets converted to usd so yeah just uh just your thoughts on the whole experience and stuff so, I mean, you see Crystal clapping. I actually met Crystal out at International Flight Week last year, um, which was very cool. I met a, a few people out there. Sheila, who's in here, I met her out there as well. Uh, some other folks in addition to. 
I think if you're going to, I think it's worth it, man. Like, honestly, I think it's worth it to me. Like I'm with Helwani. Cause I know Helwani gets asked about this a bunch and, uh, like the experience of watching it on television and like going to an actual event. I think everybody should experience going to an event once. Um, even if it's like a local one, just go and watch it. But if you are just all in on the UFC and, and there's like, I got to experience like the experience when it comes to it. I think international fight week is worth it. Just like in pro wrestling. Like if you're going to go to a wrestling pay-per-view, if you're going to like make a thing out of it, you go WrestleMania week. Cause there's shit going on every day all the time it's just cool and even if you don't go to the fights like you will have shit to do like lots of it there's live shows and like morning combat was doing a bunch of live shows and um where i met crystal and sheila and others was uh helwani and chuck mindenhall the the ringer guys and pt carroll they had a little meet and greet so we went there and, and met a bunch of people and hung out with them for a while. Like there's so much shit to do. Uh, the expo obviously I didn't pay for because I was covering it. Um, I was there on radio row to do a bunch of interviews with whoever was available and met some people out there as well. It's just cool, man. Like it's cool. Like there's a, there's all these different like seminars. There's all these different um, like onstage Q and A's different groups of people. Uh, I know like some people were kind of bummed about some of the meet and greets because I mean, you only have these fighters that are on the stage for a certain amount of time. And some of the, if you have bigger names, the lines can be like super duper long. So you might miss out by standing in line a bunch. So I think that's something that possibly could be improved on, but I don't know how you do it, but I, I just think it's a cool experience. Like the room is massive. There's just stuff everywhere. And you see people walking around, you see fighters everywhere and everyone's just taking pictures with you. Like it's cool. Like it is cool. I don't know what the price is, uh, but I think, I think everybody should go check it out once. Um, I loved it. That was, that was, and to me, like for me, that was, I'd never been to Vegas in my life and I had been covering the sport for, six or seven years at the time. That was my first time ever going to Las Vegas. And I wanted to make that shit count. So I'm hoping to go back out there this year. Uh, the plan I want to do is fly out Tuesday, do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then leave Friday night and fly to New York on Saturday and do the watch party Saturday. Like that's what I want to do. Um, but I would go back. If I'm going to cover if I'm going to cover any events this year, if they go to Boston, you bet your bippy I'm going to be there for that. Um, but if there's any other event, they're like, Mike, which event do you want to cover? Um, it would be that one for sure. Um, and I don't need to be there on fight night because I love doing the watch parties at GC. So I would fly to New York, probably hop on a red eye Friday night and go to New York and get some sleep and then do the watch party. Uh, that's what I love. I love the fight week stuff. I don't need to be there for the fights themselves, but I like doing all the other stuff. I love that. That's my fave. Uh, hoping maybe we could do something in Jersey as well. Things are in the works. Stay tuned for that. Maybe a little, maybe a little fan meetup uh, the Friday before UFC 288. So stay tuned for info on that if we can make it happen. Because I would love to do that rather than just go to New York saturday let's do something friday 
I'll take take a few more. Let's do this. D baby, hello. What's up? What's up? Can y'all hear me? Yep. Yeah, man. How you doing, man? I just I just wanted to get your thought on Jorge Mazador. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying he they think he's washed. I wanted to get your thought on that. I mean, I he been talking a lot crazy. I don't know if he just hyping the fight or trying to cash out, or do you think he really got a chance? out? because I've been watching his last couple fights. I don't think he's watched. So I just want to just wanted your thoughts on it. Sure. Um, so people have been listening to this show for the last several weeks. Right now, the betting lines: uh, Gilbert Burns minus four ninety. The comeback on Jorge Masvidal is plus three ninety. There is value on Jorge Masvidal plus three ninety. 100% in my opinion. I think this fight is a lot closer than other people think it is. I think a lot of people look to the Colby fight and they think it's going to be similar. Gilbert Burns is not Colby Covington. He's not. He's not going to sit there and try to shoot 20 takedowns on Jorge Mazadal. He's not going to do that. And if he gets Mazadal to the ground or they battle against the fence, Mazadal is pretty good there. Like he's vastly underrated. And if this fight plays out on the feet, Jorge Mazadal is a better striker than Gilbert Burns. So I don't think Mazadal is washed. Do I think he's somewhat on the back nine? Certainly, because father time catches up with all of us. And that's just not, that's not a knock on Mazadal. It's just what it is. This guy, this guy has been fighting for like over two decades. This guy's been fighting for a long time. He's been fighting in the streets, fighting in backyards. He's got a million fights in MMA. The dude's been scrapping for a while. He got brutally knocked up by Kamar Usman not that long ago. That was the first time he'd been melted like that. He learned a lot from that. I honest, I think this fight is closer. I'm not saying like I'm not coming out and saying I'm picking Jorge Mazadal. I ain't there yet. But if you're giving me Mazadal in this type of stylistic matchup at plus three ninety, I think it's worth a look, man. I think it's worth a look. I think Mazadal is a live dog. At, especially at that number. Holy shit. Like I think this. If you want to give me Ma, like if you want to put Mazda like a plus two fifty, like I can understand that. A plus three ninety is redonkulous. Because I don't think Burns is gonna like Burns is just not a chain wrestling kind of guy. Like he's obviously exceptional on the ground. Um, but Mazadal's pretty decent on the ground too. He doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Uh is a very good defensive grappler, not a great defensive wrestler. There's a difference. And I don't think Burns is going to sit there and try to spam a bunch of takedowns on him. And if this fight plays out on the feet, Mazel's going to Mazel's better. He's just a better striker. So to say Mazel has no chance in this fight, I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. I think this fight is way closer than the line suggest. And I think this fight is a lot closer than like a lot of people suggest overall. Like Jed Bashu he said it a lot. I think Gilbert's just going to kill Jorge Masvidal. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Now, if I'm wrong, I'd be happy to come on the show the following Tuesday and say, well, I was wrong about that one. But my read on this fight it is it is close. And Masvidal has a lot more to gain here than Gilbert Burns does. He just does. So this, is, this could be do or die for Masvidal. I don't think Burns is in a do or die situation. But stylistically, this this fight is not a f- minus four ninety plus three ninety fight. I just don't think it is. 
but he's I don't think he's washed, but he's he's on the back nine. No doubt. Tom, hello. That's one heck of a statement regarding Masvidal. I think Masvidal is the Christian and Gilbert Burns is the lion in that fight. But the question I had for you was, um, following the um, end of year show we did, uh, when I said Talia Santos would shake up that division, I was a little bit wrong in a sense that obviously Grasso took the crown from, from Shevchenko. But we've now got four realistic prospects in that division by way of Shevchenko, Grasso, uh, Erin and uh, Santos as well. Where do you think the belt will end up next? Will it stay with Grasso? Will the fight go to Erin or Santos next? Or will Shevchenko come back and rule the roost again? Where do you see that division going by way of those four fighters? I know Erin's had a recent outing, uh, um, uh, as, as, uh, as has Grasso. Santos has not had a fight called yet from what I believe. So I think she needs to fight another fight before she gets a, a title shot. But where do you see that melting pot ending up, Mike, in the, in the coming three or four bouts? Um, what I'll say is... So I'll frame it as, like, who's going to be the champion by the end of the year? And my answer is Aaron Blanchfield. I think the second Aaron, I think when Aaron Blanchfield steps in that cage and fights for the title, she's going to win. Whether she fights Alexa Grasso or fights Valentina Shevchenko, I think Blanchfield beats both of them. I really, I do, I do, and I think she would have beat Tyler Santos too. So we'll see what happens with Blanchfield. We'll see uh, how this all plays out. But you would have to imagine she's going to get another fight. And I mean, they probably do Man and Fioro. That's probably what they'll end up doing: Blanchfield versus Man and Fioro in a number one contender fight of some kind. And I would pick Aaron Blanchfield to win that fight. And Aaron will go on and fight for the belt maybe at the end of the year, early twenty twenty four. And honestly, the second she fights for the title, she's going to win. I'm that confident in her. After. People downplayed the Jessica Andrade fight because it was short notice, but go back to the reactions on Twitter when that fight was announced at, at UFC, whatever pay-per-view that was. 284, I think they announced that. Short notice, they're like, oh, man, RIP Aaron Blanchfield. I saw that everywhere. And then Aaron just ran her. Just ran her. She's a problem, man. She is a stylistic problem for all of these women. And the, the big thing about Erin Blanchfield is her physicality is, is just incredible. I think she's a nightmare for a lot of these women. So Blanchfield is like my favorite to, to – like we could be in for a very long title reign once Blanchfield gets her shot. It's just a matter of when Shevchenko and Grasso fight again. And I don't know. I don't know how that fight's going to go. I don't know how that fight's going to go. Because if Shevchenko wins, like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to run it back again? Or are they going to give Blanchfield her shot? Interesting times. But I think Blanchfield wins the belt whenever she gets the crack at it. I'm that high on her. Cole, hello. Good morning, Mike. 
from beautiful Ames, Iowa this morning. Uh, and just nice. Got a question. Wondering if you saw Wonder Boy's tweet yesterday about him getting a fight before International Fight Week. Just want to pick your brain on who you think that might be. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. My guess is Pereira or RDA. One of those two guys. We're trying to figure it out, but it seems like Pereira makes a lot of sense. Pereira doesn't have a fight. Uh, there were talks about maybe getting Pereira on that April 15th card, and he kind of seems to want to stay there from like our last conversations with their side, but um, Wonderboy Pereira is a, is a banger. But if not, we could do Wonderboy RDA. It's a nice little fun uh, little legend fight right there. I like that idea. But I think it's one of those two guys – do they give him Jack Della Maddalena? Do they go that route? I know there are people reporting falsely, by the way, the JDM Vicente Luque fight, which is not was not true. But JDM Wonderboy would be a fun fight too. I'd be down for that. But uh, I would go with Pereira RDA, one of those two. J Stat, hello. Me too. So I got a random question. Um, do you believe pineapple belongs on pizza? And uh, that'd be all. Uh, not my first choice. Don't hate it, though. I will say that. But you can't have pineapple by itself. You can't have it by itself. You got to have it with other shit. So it's got to have some sort of either bacon or pineapple and bacon's a good time. I got to tell you, it's not my first choice. It's not something like I would order right away. But if I went to like a party at somebody's house and they ordered pineapple and bacon pizza, I'd eat the shit out of it. But not something I would order. I'm very old school. I like I like pizza, cheese pizza, pepperoni pizza. You want to throw a little hamburg on there? I party with that too. Uh, a very underrated pie is um, throw a little jalapeno on there too. Some bacon jalapeno. It's a good time. It's a good time. YVMZ. Hello. Hi. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, two questions for you. Uh, I just wanted to ask. Uh, what was your what was your thoughts on Patty Pimblett calling out Jared Gordon again, um, considering that he's fighting uh, Bobby Green? Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on how do you see that one playing out again? Do you think Patty wins or would he lose? And also, um, I was seeing on Twitter today that uh, Logan was trying to fight Nate, and um, looks like he's ducking him at the, right now. I just wanted to get some insight on that. Thank you. I mean, Logan says it, so <clears throat> we haven't heard from Nate's side. So we don't know what's real and what isn't, really. That's just kind of his side of the table, so <clears throat> I'll just kind of leave that for what it is for now. But, look, if you're going to get Nate to sign the line, you do an interview like that and you make headlines, it's a good way to do it. And people are going to give a shit about that fight. They're going to watch it. They're going to watch it. Logan's not wrong. Logan's not wrong. 
but I think we have a better chance of seeing Nate versus Logan than Nate versus Jake. But now there's reports out there that KSI Tommy Fury might happen. So maybe Nate's in play for Jake. I don't fuck. I have no idea. I have no clue. I forgot your other question. Damn it. Daniel, hello. Hey, Mike. Top of the morning. See you. Heck of a morning. Heck of a Friday. Uh, I know there's no UFC, but I hope everyone's enjoying some fights this weekend. Um, Just got a real quick one for you, like always. Man, what division in the next five years do you think will change champions the most? Um, Just which one you think just has a chance to just pass around the belt the most? Thanks, Mike. Jesus. Um, probably Bantamweight. Bantamweight seems like a, like a safe choice. There's just, there's just so many good fighters in that division. And so many fighters that probably won't have long title reigns. Like if Aljo beats Cejudo, he might fight O'Malley, and then he's gone. If Cejudo wins, he'll fight O'Malley, and then he's gone. So, and then a lot of these matchups are just really tight. They're really closely competitive. So, yeah, I'll go with Bantamweight. Top of my head, I'll go with that. But who knows? I mean, five years is a lot. A lot can change. There's probably people who don't even freaking know about uh, that could be fighting for belts in the next five years. Eric, hello. Hey, guys. Uh, if Benil if uh, beats Charles Oliveira, is he the next title challenger for Islam, or does he have to do one more fight? Uh, he better be the next title challenger for Islam if he wins that fight. But look, this all this all depends on Benny. Okay, it's all about him. He needs to win, and then he needs to say something interesting on the microphone. He cannot come out and talk a bunch of nonsense and then say, "I'll fight ten more times." No, don't do it. I've been on this diatribe a million times already. Don't do that. You say, "Hey." I did my part. Let's go, Islam. I just beat the same guy you beat. Let's do it. And then that will be the fight. He'll do that in Abu Dhabi, and that's it. So, yes. As long as Benny doesn't fumble the bag, he will get it. If he wins. If he loses, that's when things get real interesting. Because it could be anybody at that point. could be Poirier. could be Gaethje. All fresh matchups. But yeah, I, I'm. It'd be criminal at this point if Darius doesn't get a title shot. Criminal. Like people talk about Bilal Muhammad. He's in a he's in a tough spot too, and I feel for the man. Um, but Benny's like three fights ahead. Benny's like two notches ahead of him in the I feel bad for him department. But both guys have like shot themselves in the foot on the mic. And that's hurt them both. That's hurt them both. Bilal, at least, like, to his credit, tried to shoot his shot. He just overshot every time when there was, like, obvious things in front of him that he should have gone for. But instead called for fights he just wasn't – he had no chance of getting. None. But at least he tried. Penny didn't even try. Ah, I feel like I'm never going to get a title fight. I'll fight ten more times. No, 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 no. That's not how you get title fights. I'm not saying you have to go out there and be disrespectful and cut an 8DS promo, but just be like, hey, 
is on. Let's go. You, you said you were going to fight me if I won. I won. Let's fight. There you go. You don't have to do anything out of, uh, out of the ordinary. You don't have to not be yourself. But don't not say the man's name. You got to do it. So d- as long as he wins and doesn't fumble the bag, he'll get a shot. Edward, hello. Hey, Mike. I hope you're having a great day, morning. I was going to say, um, so with the Logan Paul, somebody asked this previously, but I wanted to see what did you think uh, draw more pay-per-view buys, Jake versus Nate or Logan versus Nate? Because he said he does like 750 k but I don't know. And uh, number two question, if Adrian Giannis beats Font, who's ranked number six, who's next for him? So just going by the on to the next one formula, um, and I know Cheeto could be in play for this as well. I think Piotr Jan for either of these guys. Whoever wins that fight, I think Jan should fight the winner because it's just fun as hell. It's just so fun. It's not going to get taken down. No one's going to shoot a bunch of doubles on him. He's going to get in there and scrap. And Jan versus Font is super fun. Jan versus Yanez is a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. I like the Piotr Jan matchup. I like Cheeto too versus uh, Adrian Yanez if he beats Rob Font. Good options either way. And what do I think does better? Jake Nate or Logan Nate? Probably right around the same. I mean, Logan Paul's last fight like broke our website. <laughs> I mean, it literally broke our web. Almost, it pretty much broke our website. The Logan Floyd Mayweather fight, for as ridiculous as that sounds, that fight like broke MMA fighting, which is insane. Terrence, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, since it's, um, I forget what you call it, but like Friday, like a oh, free-for-all Friday, um, I was thinking if you're in charge of uh, MMA United like organization to where once a year, I'll say it's like a WrestleMania, you have to have a five-fight main event that'll break the pay-per-view record of Khabib and Connor. Um, and all organizations have to be used. You only can have one fight where it's UFC versus UFC fighter, the rest of them can be like messed up. What fights are you making and why? That's it. Jesus. Oh, man. Um, There's no way I'm going to be able to answer all of these. Uh, I will go France Ngannou, John Jones in the main event. Connor versus Justin Gaethje. Hmm. I don't know. Those two for sure. Those two would. Those two fights on the same car would be pretty fucking fantastic right now. If we're being honest, uh, those would be massive draws, and those are like the, the fights everybody wants to see. I would put Hamzat. Hamzat versus Colby. I'll put on there because I still want to see that fight, even though I don't know if. Hamza can make 170. Yeah, those three for sure. I'll think about the rest. But, I mean, you're, you're getting a ton of buys of those three fights alone right there. I'd probably put Brandon Moreno on there because I have a soft spot for him and I just want his 
name attached to the biggest pay-per-view of all time. Brandon Moreno versus Demetrius Johnson. And yeah, I'll figure out the last one. That that's a banger of a card right there. Matt, hello. So with all the talk earlier about like Bilal Muhammad and Benny, what fighter do you think has the most work to do on the mic that would benefit them with like title shots or just future fights or just fighters in the past who have just straight up shit the bag with call outs on the mic? I mean, those are the, those are the top two guys in my mind. Those are the top two guys. And what's interesting about both of them is they're both like both very compelling, entertaining guys. Like if you watch them do interviews like after these call outs, like they're just fun listens. Like even the Benil Darius call out of like uh, Elon Musk was great. This shit was great. All good stuff. But when it counts, like they both just whiffed. Like Bilal had Bilal could have called out Hamzat like his last three wins. And he didn't do it. The last, it was, uh, he fir- first Bilal called out Usman. I think it was after the Wonderboy fight. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? And then I remember after the Luke win, I tweeted out literally right before. I'm like, great performance from Bilal. Please don't call out Colby and Usman. Go all in on Hamzat. And he called out Colby. I'm like, what are you doing? And this is literally the week after Hamzat fought Gilbert Burns. And that fight was so close. Like, if you were going to find Hamza, like, that was it. That was it. And what hurt me the most was that after that, Bilal realized his mistake, and then he did the media car wash, and then he focused all, all the attention on Hamza. And at that point, like, you already wasted it. It's gone. It's all over. It's all over. And then Benil was just like, eh, whatever the UFC wants to do, I'll fight 10 more guys. No, can't do that. Can't do that. Because they're both like very interesting guys. And they're both really good fighters. But boy, you cannot like that is such an important skill to just know what you're gonna do ahead of time. Like like Corey Sanhagen should teach a course on this. Because Corey Sanhagen Corey Sanhagen talked about maybe calling out Sean O'Malley. But when the mic was in his face, when it was in his face, what did he do? Made the perfect call-out. A-plus. Called out Marab. Realistic fight. Best fight he can get. Marab's in the news. Marab's making headlines. Marab's getting over. That's the fight. Perfect call-out. The way he presented it puts Marab over like a million dollars. This guy's a killer. I would never ask for a title fight over this guy. So let's just fight. Beautiful. It was beautiful. Realistic. Made sense. Tough call out. Tough fight. A plus. We would be looking at Bilal Muhammad a lot differently if he called out Hamzat after the Wonderboy win. And if, especially if he called him out after the Luke A win. On the mic when it mattered. And then even after he beat Sean Brady, he almost didn't call him out again. He almost didn't call him out again. And then he was like, oh, shit. Here we go. And then he didn't even call him out by name. He called him out by the nickname. He's getting better. Bilal's getting it. Like, he's learning his lessons. 
He's learning his lessons. Aljamain Sterling is another guy who fumbled the bag. UFC 280, Sean O'Malley just beat Piotr Jan, no matter how you felt about the decision. Literally, a fight before, like two fights before. You have a chance to call out the biggest star in your division, a guy that is going to make you more money than anybody else in the division, including Henry Cejudo, the guy who just beat Piotr Jan, the guy that you beat, and you called out multiple guys, especially when you have a foot out the door of the weight class and you want to move up in lieu of your teammate. You should have went all in on Sean O'Malley right then and there, didn't, and now he's fighting Henry Cejudo. And he did the same thing. Soon as he realized the mistake, did the media car wash, did his podcast, realized Sean was the guy, that's prize fighting, went back and focused in on O'Malley, but he didn't do it when the moment counted. And Dana White saw that, and Dana White said, whoo, Aljamain just opened the door for Henry Cejudo to get in. Now, had Aljo went out there and just called for O'Malley right out the gate, that's probably the fight we're getting at UFC 288. But instead, he didn't. He was too late on it. And now he's going to fight Cejudo, which is a fascinating fight. I'm interested in it, but you missed out. You missed out on the O'Malley bag. And now you might not get it because you might not beat Cejudo. But it is what it is. It's a skill. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But when you get to this point where you're in title contention or you're trying to get over that hump, you got to make those, you got to make those moments count. You just have to, you got to make them count. Hamzat knows how to do it. Hamzat knew how to do it. Habib learned how to do it and did it well. Connor's always been great. Nate Diaz got really good at it. Nate Diaz got the Connor fight because of that when he had the microphone in his face during that Orlando car, when he beat up Michael Johnson. No one thought the fight made any sense. No one thought it. But it wasn't like out of the realm of possibility. Nate set it up. Compelling promo. And when RDA could not fight, Nate was the first phone call because of that promo. You just got to be smart. If you want to overshoot, cool. But you need to have a plan with it. A plan of action. You need to plant seeds. And there are guys who are great at that. And there are guys who are, will learn how to be great at that. I think Bilal has learned. Bilal's getting better. After the whole Colby situation and the whole Anik thing, Bilal picked up that ball and he fucking ran with it. As he should have done. That was very smart. Bilal, is, Bilal Muhammad has more support and buzz now than he's ever had. And it's mostly because of Colby saying weird things that he shouldn't be saying. But Bilal, very smartly, very wisely, took that ball and sprinted down the field with it. And now we'll see what ends up being next for him. I know we had the meeting with Dana. We don't know what came out of it. Is he going to fight Shafgat Rachmanov? Is he going to fight somebody else? Is he going to fight Gilbert Burns if Burns beats Masvidal? That fight makes sense. Is he going to fight Hamzad? I don't know. But Bilal is in a much better position today than he was a couple months ago. That's for sure. But yeah. 
It's an important skill. Chael Sonnen's been preaching this forever. Sonnen's been preaching this forever. The next fight starts as soon as the previous fight ends. As soon as it's over, you're already getting ready for the next one. Name in mind, make it compelling, set it up. That's how you win prize fighting. That's how you win. So there you go. All right, we're done. Thank you very much. Uh, Bellator tonight, so get excited. I know the main event isn't great, but still, pretty good card. And then tomorrow, we're just off and running, all sorts of things, Mania, PFL1, Game Bread Boxing, Fight Circus, all of it. Should be a fun weekend, and then by the time we're back here, we are getting ready for UFC 287, which is pretty exciting. So thank you all very much. Enjoy this very busy weekend in the combat sports world. Have fun. Enjoy it. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Have a great weekend. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.